Well, greetings, brethren, and welcome to another Sabbath service. Today we're blessed to have a sermon entitled, Worthy is the Lamb, Part 2, and it will be delivered to us by Deacon Jan Kowalczyk. Uh, You'll remember that Part 1 was delivered by Pastor Murray. Uh, Deacon Jan, God willing, will now be following up with Worthy is the Lamb, Part 2. We're just doing a sound check here as we uh, uh, get ready to start, and I'm just looking at the chat. I see Laurent, Rose, JD, Timothy, Christine. Uh, blessings to all of you and Seabreeze. We'll just be testing the piano now as well. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome, everyone tuning in, maybe some new guests, and welcome those who join from the Tyler service. We're happy to have you here. It is month 12, day 8 of the Hebrew calendar, and 34 days until Passover. Today we'll, we'll open with an opening prayer by Brother Peter Wilcox. Good afternoon, brethren. If we bow our heads, Holy Father in heaven, We are so grateful to assemble here with you today on this day, the Sabbath day, the day that you set aside long, long ago, that we may all fellowship together with you. Father, we come here today with joy in our hearts, knowing that you are in control in this crazy world, that you are a place that we may go to, that we may find refuge in you and your word, peace and joy. So we are grateful for you, Father, for being in control. Father, we pray for the brethren around the world who are searching, people that haven't heard your word yet, and we hope that someday they will hear your word and all your wondrous ways. So, Father, we ask for a blessing on the message today. 
that you will inspire our brother Jack to inspire us with his message. And we ask all of these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. Amen. If you now turn your hymnals to page 32. If you don't have a hymnal, the words will appear on your screen. To page 32, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. and the Bible will be put on the screen to John 5, verses 19 to 23, and it will be read by Brother Eric Dorman from the Ottawa Congregation. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever he does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son, and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead, and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, 
even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Amen. Thank you, Brother Eric. Uh, this time we'll have just one announcement. The Wednesday night Bible study will be at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We continue in Isaiah 1, where we started last week. Uh, come join us for our weekly line-by-line study and an opportunity to chat with brethren all around the world. Now some prayer requests. We have Richard Campbell, uh, husband of uh, Sister Violet from Kawartha Lakes. He underwent uh, kidney surgery this week to remove uh, a kidney that was cancerous. Uh, surgery went well, and they are thankful for our prayers. And Please, uh, please continue to pray for them uh, as they as he battles this disease. John Plunkett, a longtime member from Nanaimo, B.C., and a husband of Trish, who we have been praying for, broke his foot this week and requests our prayers for the healing as he continues uh, to care for his wife. From the Wilcox family from Ottawa, Patrick and Lori, who welcomed twin boys two weeks ago, Aaron and Caleb, continue to make progress as they are born prematurely. Please continue to keep them in our prayers as they develop so that they can come home soon. Uh, and the, the family is healthy. Uh, uh, the family's waiting for them at home. Uh, please keep their mom, Lori, in your prayers as she recovers from a C-section and a difficult birth. Also, please keep Tom and Donna Melig uh, and their family in your prayers after the sudden loss of Tom's mother, Anna. Our brethren from the southern U.S., and specifically Texas, have been hit with an unusual cold weather uh, that has hit their power and their water utilities hard. Flooding and the loss of power and loss of water are rampant throughout the south. Please keep the brother, uh, those brethren in our prayers. Our Tyler offices have been a victim of the flooding uh, and are closed until further notice. Services are canceled for the time being and uh, literature requests will be delayed. Please pray for everyone affected by this. Uh, we certainly welcome those who have joined uh, for services here today. And also uh, a couple of reminders. Uh, Margaret Johnson, uh, please pray for her throat issues related to cancer and also Brother Ray Doyle, who continues to battle with his cancer and also the many others on our prayer list. But now for the intercessory prayer, we'll have Pastor Jim French. Loving Father in heaven, God our healer, God our banner, we come so thankful to your throne, Father, a beautiful Sabbath day. The Sabbath reminds us that uh, you are our God and we are your people. And we thank you for uh, the chance as family, as a congregation to gather before you and to bring before you our petitions, Father. And you heard Landon uh, read through several uh, prayer requests. And uh, we thank you when you give us uh, beautiful health, and we appreciate those times, and we especially, Father, are um, uh, aware that we need you when we have health issues. And we thank those who have come forward to the ministry and asked for prayer, as James has instructed us. And we come boldly, Father, to your throne and ask that you um, listen to the petitions that have come before you and that you uh, pour out your spirit on those people that have, have come before you for prayer. Um, we know, Father, that you can do all things, and we thank you for the chance to be able to speak to the creator of the universe, to have him listen to each of our petitions. And we thank you for that through our elder brother, our high priest, the Lamb of God, Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Before we have the sermon titled Worthy is a Lamb Part 2 by Deacon Jan, we'll have another hymn entitled Holy, 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 page 236 on the hymnals, or it will appear on your screen. After which we'll have the sermon entitled Worthy is the Lamb Part 2 by Deacon Jan Kolchik. Good afternoon to every one of you. What a blessing it is to come together on this day. And as always, greetings to all of you from, especially here from Burlington and Ottawa congregations. What a wonderful song we just heard before. What a words. And all these words which were inspired by the scripture that comes from Revelation chapter 4. And the message that Pastor Murray gave weeks ago about the word is the lamb. It was such an inspiring message to me personally. The vision that is described over there, I never pay so much attention, but when he was speaking, when he was speaking about, when he was, when we were reading all these verses coming from Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5, and just for some reason, it's just, you know, he just got my attention. He just opened my mind, he opened my brain, and everything was spinning inside me. It was just so exciting to see all of these things, and so I decided to make a part two out of it. And what I'm hoping, what I'm going to do today, 
hopefully I will be, I'll be able to share the excitement and, you know, not just the excitement, but the powerful of this vision, especially when we're so close, or coming so close before the Passover day. Because what I heard in part two, what I learned later through some of the, the same scriptures, just reading a little bit deeper between the lines, you know, as I'll, I'll say towards the end of it, till it's going to be my vision, this Passover about the Lamb who died for the sins of this world. Have you ever had a vision or a dream that was so powerful, that was so vivid, that it felt like a real? Just think about it. All of us have a dreams. And sometimes when you have a dream, it's just like, like we are there. We are right there. We are, we are part of this thing. It just feels like, you know, everything is real. And suddenly you wake up. And you have no idea what just happened. So that is just the dream. But imagine we had a vision. And imagine for a moment, and not just have a vision, but you have a vision, the vision that is ordained by God. A vision that is so important, that is so powerful, that he wants to affect the writer, the prophet, that it is so amazing that this vision probably will, 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 will stay in your mind for the rest of your life. I don't know if you're aware, but there are only a handful, handful of individuals in the Bible had such a powerful vision. Only a handful. We're not going to go through all of them today, but, you know, if you're just wondering, if you try to wonder who are they, definitely was, a, was, was Daniel who can interpret the dreams, right? Elijah or Elijah, both of them. And I would say the record breaker. When it comes to the vision was Apostle John, the record breaker. No one, no one got more revelations, more vision than Apostle John. And, and then John, Apostle John, and that through his, my message, what I want to do, I want to spend the rest of my time here, mostly in Revelations chapter 5, chapter 4 and chapter 5. So if I forget to, to tell you as we go along. We'll go outside to a few other scriptures, but not many of them. But please keep your place in Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5 here. So let's start today. Let's start from Revelation chapter 3 and just read the last three verses. As John was giving the, was described what was happening in the churches there. So the last lukewarm church here in verse 21. Revelation chapter 3 verse 21. It says here, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me. On my throne, and I want you to remember this word throne, okay? My throne, Christ says, Christ says, on my throne. And he says, as I also overcame and sit down with my father on his throne. Christ said, I have my own throne, but I overcame and I sat in my father's throne. Verse 22. And he says, who has an ear? Let him, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And keep this word throne because this is important because now it's going to shift to the next chapter and in the bible we don't have chapter we don't have there's no chapter breaks but this this word throne is very important here what the throne symbolizes we all know right kings usually sit on their thrones symbolizes power authority rulership dominion all of these things right so very important words what christ is saying here and now as we shift to chapter four and verse one and two let's read them and these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, 
and I will show you things which must take place after this. So if you if you have a good imagination, if you ever try to imagine, you know, like if you're ever gonna have a time, you know, if you if you just like to meditate, I would encourage you try to see this vision, try to imagine this vision where John, John is trying to take us through this vision. It's very powerful. Tell me it's very powerful. And he's saying here, the door was open to me. So basically, the door is not open for everyone. Only to few individuals, like Apostle Paul, the door was open to him when he was taking up. He, he couldn't even describe what happened to him. And the same thing happened to Apostle John. What happened to him, he couldn't describe it. And you know how difficult it is to put something that you see that is so amazing, it's so beautiful, or no matter how you want to describe it, we try to, and you try to, whatever you see it, you try to describe in your words, or even worse, you try to write it about it. It's very difficult, right? But he's trying the best. So the door was open. And he, and it says here that someone wants to tell him what's going to take place. So very powerful. Verse two, immediately I was in the spirit and behold, and what it says here, a throne. Okay. We continue to speak about the throne now. A throne. A throne, a throne set in heaven and one set on the throne. So again, he sees first thing he walks through the open door. He sees the throne of all these things. He just, his, his first thing that his attention is drawn to the throne in heaven, right? And the father who sits on the throne. And then in verse three, and he who sat there was like a jasper as a surgeon's stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. And around the throne were 24 thrones and on the and the and on the thrones I saw twenty four elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. Okay, try to picture it again. Try try to picture it, try to imagine it. The first thing that he's able to see it in central piece of this is a throne. And God who sits in the God who sits in midst of it, he's the central of the attention. He sits on the throne. And around his throne that father sits, and he's trying to describe how beautiful this vision is. So he's trying to use it the best possible language to describe it, right? So we can have some imaginations how wonderful, how beautiful it is. But around this heavenly throne that Father says, there are also 24 other thrones where the elders sit. You know, another beautiful vision. And verse 5, And from the throne proceed lightning, thundering, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were, were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So everything is explained and we don't need to guess anything here. And before the throne, and again, before the throne, there was a sea of glass, like a uh, like crystal. And in the midst of the throne, and again, and in the midst of the throne, and around the throne, were four living creatures. There is another addition that comes here, right? There is a sea of glass. You can try to picture it, try to imagine it. It's beautiful. And they were talking about the living creatures. And the same vision that Ezekiel had. And four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. And the third living had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around within. And they do not rest day or night saying. And if you, if you took part in this song where we had to write this before the sermons, that's the words that we were singing. Holy, holy, holy. That's the inspiration that comes from this chapter. So these four living creatures, they're another part. They're all around the center of the, of the big throne that the Father is sitting. And this, this, this is what they do. And they, and they do not rest day 
or night saying and speaking about the repetitive things, right? Sometimes we are so afraid to use a song that repeats twice or three times. We sing, you know, we're breaking one of the biggest commandments over here. But in this case, they repeat day, day and night, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Can you imagine this thing? 24-7, the same thing in front of God the Father. Holy, holy, holy. And verse 9, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. So these angelic beings, these angelic creatures, when they do these things, whenever they do these things, whenever they started over and over again, the verse 10, then 24 elders fall down before, before him who sits on the throne. And what they do, they worship him who lives forever and ever and cast out their crowns before the throne, saying, and what are they saying here? You are worthy. They're saying to God the Father, you are worthy. Why, O oh Lord? To receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they exist and they were created. So basically they're saying, they're singing this song saying, we hear, we're worshiping you. We're singing, you know, we're bowing down and we're doing this. We are able to do this thing because of you, because you created us. If you didn't, we will be not able to do this thing. But because you are, you are worthy. There is no one, single one else like you. So you are worthy. So this is just the introduction, right, to chapter 5. And I went through this a little bit quickly. I don't want to go through all the symbolism here because I want to spend more time line by line in chapter 5. But as I told you, the shifting, the image of looking at the throne and the father who sits on the throne, who is in the, in the, in the middle, the mission is right in the middle, in the centers of everything, everything, everything there revolves around the Father sitting on the throne. Living creature, angelic beings, everything, everybody is revolved, everything is revolved around the Father. And now as we move, as we move to now the chapter, chapter 5, and the focus starts to shift. Let's read verse 1. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right, and hand is not in the original, but it says in the right, of him who sat on the throne, a scroll. A scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. I want you to see the focus now that John is trying, he's trying to, making sure that we pay attention to what's happening. All the focus was on the throne and who sat on it. And now he said something. He says, now the focus shifts from the throne, the focus shifts to the scroll. And the scroll, and there's something unusual about the scroll. And before we go to the scroll, just think about it. Usually when the monarch sit on the throne, what do they hold in his right hand? What do they hold? Usually it's a staff, or we call the scepter. And scepter symbolizes authority, right? Power, authority. I am king over king. I exercise authority over, over a country, over, over, a, over a land, or in this case, I am God of gods. I exercise authority over everything. So usually in King Monarch, in his right hand, there is a scepter. In this case, it says on the right, it says, no, it's a scroll. It's a scroll. And something unusual about the scroll, it says here, the author says the scroll is something written inside and outside. So something is written. What is written on the scroll? Has anyone tried to figure it out? What is, what is the contents of the scroll? And, you know, I'm not going to tell you what it is, because that would be just the speculations, but it's good to speculate. Why don't you try to figure it out? But we come to this a little bit later. But something unusual is that it's written on both sides. 
And it's not just it's written on both sides. As the scroll is folded, as it's folded, it had seven different strings on the scroll to hold it secure. And as, and, and, and the strings as they are tied together, they are sealed with wax and with a special seal, seven of them. So if you want to open the scroll to read it, you'll have to open each, each, each seal at the time from one, all the way one from to seven. As we, as we, as, 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 as you read there, book of Revelation comes in the later chapters. But it's very unusual about the, the scroll. And as I said, the scroll was, was sealed with seven seals. And they were tightly, you know, tied it around the scroll. And and usually I said it was unusual because the scroll was written of both sides, as I mentioned. And usually the scroll was just secured with one one string, one in the middle and the one sealed. The other type you can find in history that, you know, documents were sealed, you know, multiple seals were usually like a testament or a very important people like kings or somebody else, you know, with a special seal on it that only heir to the will could open this thing. The heir to the will could open it. So something important here, some, something something very important is that John is trying to convey to us. So we're not going to speculate what was written on the scroll, but that's not the point. John is not trying to get our attention, focus what is written on the scroll. That's not his purpose. What he's trying to do, what he's trying to emphasize, is not what the content of the scroll, but it's not even about the seals but it's about who is worthy to take it and who is worthy to open it. That's the emphasis. Not what is written there, but who is able to take the scroll. Who is able to look at the scroll. That's the emphasis of John. Chapter, verse 2, Revelation 5, verse 2. And here, Then I saw a strong, a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, and again, and that's the message, as I said. Who is worthy to open the scroll and to lose its seal? Who is worthy? And John again emphasizes the word, the word here, as we read it at the beginning, a strong angel. So can you imagine angel? Angel, just by being an angel, is a very strong being compared to, you know, what we human, what we can do. Just imagine what angels can do. But in this case, it's a very strong angel. And he's issued a challenge. He's issuing a challenge to the last of the creation. He's, what's the challenges? Of all the creation, who is worthy to take the scroll, to take the scepter into your hand? Who is worthy to do this thing? But the challenge again, the challenge, even though John presented is a strong angel, but it's not about who is the strongest person, okay? It's who is the strongest man, you know? The challenge is not about that. The challenge is who is worthy. The challenge is about the character. Who is worthy? Okay. And verse 3. And here in verse 3. And no one. And no one in heaven. Or on the earth. Or under the earth. Was able to open the scroll. It's not just to open the scroll. But or to look at it. Can you imagine the challenge goes to all the creations, all over, everywhere, in heaven, on earth, wherever you want to go, everywhere. The challenge goes to everybody. Who is worthy? Not who is strongest, who is worthy? So it's open to everybody. Everybody can step forward and says, hey, I am worthy to look at it. No one came forward. Absolutely no one came forward. Of all the created order, 
There was no one simple being who stood in front of the throne and say, I am worthy. I deserve it. I am entitled for it. Just give it to me. No single one of them. And the reason we can speculate, because the creation by itself is incapable, is incapable of deciding or affecting, you know, our own destiny. Look what we do as a human being, no matter what country we might live. If we would just, if we would just, just lift this, our own destiny to our hands, we would actually destroy ourselves in the end. And that's what the Bible says, what's going to happen in the end. So that's what we are capable of. That's what we are worthy of. We are worthy of nothing, basically, so to speak. Now, verse 4. So he's a tragedy. Imagine, vivid, vivid vision. And John is so excited. You know, somebody promised him to see the, I want to see the future, right? Verse 4. So I wept much. I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to even look at it. No one. Can you imagine how he felt? Can you imagine how he would felt? You think the future is going to be revealed to you. You get to that point and everybody is just stand still. It's a, that's, that's it. We reach to this point and there's no end to it. It's horrible. No one can do this thing. No one had the right to even look at the scroll. Forget about touching it or reading it. No one. No one was worthy. Verse 5. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to lose its, and to lose its seven seals. One of the elders, not the angel, one of the angels eventually broke the silence, said there is a hope. There is a hope, John. Don't cry. There is a hope. And look what he said. The vision is about the future. This vision is supposed to show John what's going to happen in the future. But the elder said, there is a someone here. There is a someone here who actually has got a root going all the way back to the beginning of creation. And he said, the lion of the tribe of Judah. To affect the future, what is the telling us? What is the lesson here? John wants us to say, hey, you need to guys go back and see what is happening, why it's happening like that. What is God trying to accomplish through all of this thing? That's great, powerful vision, but to understand the vision, you got to start all the way back. You go to, where the mentioned line of the tribe of Judah, what is it mentioned actually first time? Genesis chapter 49. Hold your place in Revelation here. We're going to come back. But here's Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. And just read just one verse here just for the sake of time. 
Verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, and not a lovegiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience to the people. And in verse 9, if you have time, you can go over here, and we see the blessings of the him of the tribe of Judah, of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Go back to Revelation. But make sure, whatever God is doing here, whatever God is trying to accomplish, accomplish here, everything stands by God's words. Not by human words. Not by our words. Not by our actions, because we are not worthy. God is trying to accomplish what he promised to Abraham. It goes by the word of his mouth. He's proving everybody a liar. And he's God. He knows everything from the beginning to the end. And whatever he's promised, he's trying to accomplish this thing. And he wants us to go back so we don't forget it. We don't forget it where he comes from. And now he mentioned another part here. It's not just the, you know, it's not just the lion, the ferocious beast, right? The beast of the jungle, right? But he says it's also the root of David. And I don't have time to go through all this detail, but just quickly go to Isaiah chapter 10 here. Just also one verse. And you can study on your own. And especially the chapter as you read it, as you, as you read this chapter from the beginning, from verse one, how, you'll see how this root in Hebrew, Anetzer, which just got a specific meaning, you know, like people call Jesus, like Jesus of Nazareth. It's, that's not his name because Nazareth is close to Nazareth when you translate it. That's what exactly it comes from the prophecy of Isaiah, which you eventually come to study here. But in verse 10 here, Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 10, And it says here in verse 10, just one verse. It says, in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, a father of David, who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his rest is, resting place shall be glorious. And you, please, if you know on time, just start to read the whole chapter from verse 1. You will see it. The special root eventually will come up. The tree is cut down. It's only stamped out of the ground. But out of the stamp come another root, a special root, was called in Hebrew, a netter root. It's eventually is going to come out. And through this, this root, God's going to accomplish this plan, all this vision that we have in the book of Revelation. So just go back to the book of Revelation here. And it's just such a, a man, tremendous vision, vision here. Like right? it's just so much information is just so packed here, right? It's just so amazing. And as you read this thing, so this line, this line from the tribe of Judah, right? He is worthy. He says, don't, don't weep, John. There is one. There is one. Of all the creations all over the place, there is one. There is a hope. There is a hope for Israel. There is a hope for the rest of us. And this one, it says it's prevail. You look at this Greek word, prevail is just the Nike. Nike. Just, you know, one of the famous brand now, running shoes and sport equipment. It means just basically to victory, to overcome, to be victorious. So this, you know, Lion of Judah is just victorious over all these things, over everything. And now, because he's victorious, he is able to do this thing. So that, that's the announcement, right, that he get from this one of the elder. And symbolism here is, you know, it's just absolutely helpful and fantastic just to see what's happening in this vision. You know, because we men, we like to use symbolism too. We name the teams, the sport teams, you know, like football teams, hockey teams. We, we, make, we, we name them. 
after, you know, these ferocious animals, you know, like lions, tigers, panthers, you know, hawks and, you know, eagles and all these things, right? That's how we wanted our team to look like, like that how we, you know, how we can just kind of send a message to other teams when they come and visit and play. So we men, we do the same thing. God is trying to help us to understand this vision here. And now as we go along, and as we go along here, verse 6, and he says here in verse 6, and I love this part, this one verse. Let's read it first. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne. So, again, in the midst of all the attentions, not even a slightest inch to the left or to the right, right in the middle of everything, okay? Just keep in mind, it's still a throne there, and all the attention is in this one place, okay? And, in, and I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creature, in the midst of the elder, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. There is so much information in there. In the middle, at the, cent- at the center of the attention, at the center of God's throne, what John was expected to see here. When John, John when elders explained to him what he was expected to see, he said, it's going to be a lion of the tribe of Judah. So he, expect- he was expecting to see a lion. And suddenly the vision comes open, and you know what he sees? He's a lamb. He's not a lion. He sees a lamb. This is so powerful. And why a lamb? And this lamb, representing gentleness, humanity, sacrificial love. And, you know, the expectation of John again was different, and what he was able to see was totally different. And on top of that, this lamb, and you can look at the Greek, it's not just a lamb, it's just, you know, a little lamb. But it's not just a regular little lamb. It looks at, when he looks at this lamb, he looks at this lamb as it, it, it has been slain. So basically, there are still some wounds. There are some marks of this lamb that was sacrificed. So this means so much. It should mean so much. Not just for us, but also, you know, especially for God the Father. At the central of his attention, at the central part of God's attention, is this lamb that was sacrificed. In God's mind, it's still a very fresh experience. And it should be for us to hold your place here again. John chapter 20, just quickly one verse here. John chapter 20, just one verse 27. And remember when Jesus Christ was resurrected? And then Thomas came a week later or something like that in verse 27. And he said to Thomas, look what he says to him. Reach your finger here. Look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. So in the vision that John is seeing, he's seeing a little lamb with the mark of his sacrifice of his lamb. What a powerful vision. He was expecting a lion 
NDC on LAN. But it's not just, that's not, that's not the everything, what we just read, right? Remember? This little lamb, which was wounded. There's still marks of its sacrifice on it. As little as it is, this lamb is very powerful. Seven horns. If you study throughout the Bible what horns means, it's not just the one horn. Seven. Perfectness. Fullness. That's what seven means. So, yes, it is a little lamb. But what John is saying, don't just look at this little lamb as an object of pity. No, no, no. This little lamb with seven horns is very powerful. It's very powerful because horns represent power. Glory, royal dignity, dominion. That's what horn represents. And also this little lamb, this little lamb has seven eyes. That's exactly what we read in the Revelation chapter 4 verse 5. The same quality of God the Father. Now this little lamb has got the same quality. The seven spirits of God go through the earth. God can see everything at the same time, whatever he wants to see. Now the same quality is passed on to Jesus Christ as little lamb. He can do actually exactly the same thing as his father was doing. And I can give you a reference if you want to know what the eyes are. You know, Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10. If you want to look at your own time, you look at the scripture last week. But you can still look at this, you know, if you wanted to check it, if you wanted to check it out. But it's very powerful. Now, let's read the next verse. Revelation chapter 5 and just read verse 7. Then he came... And he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And again, short verse. Just look how powerful it is. No created being, no one came even close. Came even close in a close distance just to take a peek at the scroll. No one was able to. But the Lamb, the Lion of Judah, was not just able to come close and look at it, but this lamb, this lion, was able to take it into his own hand. What an image. What an image. Imagine just for a second if the father was passing down the scepter. There you go, my son. You're worthy. I'm proud of you. Only Christ is worthy to take this scroll. Only Christ is worthy to dictate the destiny of his people. Okay? Only him. To dictate the destiny, not just his people, Israel, but also us and the rest of the world. That's how powerful this thing is. Try to imagine this vision. There is so much, brother, and sometimes, you know, the visions speak better than words. And I know that our brains work out. There are different, right? We have different braids. We're different design, different, you know, created differently. You know, but sometimes when you really, really dwell on something, just, you know, unbelievable things can happen. Verse 8. And now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden balls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. 
And just again, this one verse. Do we have an idea what is happening right here at this moment, at this specific moment, when Christ is taking the, is taking the scroll into his hand? You know what is happening right now? Let's just refresh our memory, okay? Just read again. Just, you know, Revelation chapter 4, and just read here verse 9. Revelation 4 verse 9. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, verse 10, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him, who lives forever and ever, and cast out the crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord. Right? Exactly the same thing happened here in verse 8. Exactly the same thing happened. All, all the heavenly, every single one, every single one presence there in front of the throne, gets down, gets down to the ground and worship the Lamb. It's amazing, 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 amazing scene. And let's, let's, let's just read verse, verse, uh, verse 9 quickly here. And they sing a new song saying, you are worthy. You are worthy. Remember what they say to the Father? You are worthy. Now they sing it to the Christ. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood and, and out of every tribe and tongue and people and nations. What a powerful imaginary here. So just imagine, just imagine here for a second. If, if Christ was a created being and all these, and all these heavenly hosts, just decided to worship him. Hold on your place here. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 5 here. One of the Ten Commandments here. Let's go there. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Let's, let's, let's read verse 8 and 9. You shall not make for yourself a great image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Verse 9, you shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I am the Lord your God. I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Think about it. No one, no one should bow before anything but only the Almighty God, the Creator. And here in this case, every single one of them is bowing down before Jesus Christ in worship. In worship. And it says here that these 24 elders, who are these guys? How did they get there? Who are these guys? But we'll come to this a little bit later. It says that each of them had a harp in their hands, which means worship. Worship in heaven, which was accompanied by music. They actually were playing music. The instruments were playing music. Okay, they were singing. As we, as we were, they came with a new song. And as these, all these evangelic hosts and these, and the elders, they were not afraid. They bound down right away on their knees to the ground in worship, in amazement, in dedication, in submission, and why are we? Why are why are we afraid to worship Christ? 
Why are we afraid to sing praises? Why don't we do it? Good questions we have to answer. And these elders, these 24 elders, not the angelic beings, these 24 elders, look what they were holding in their hands. Golden, golden balls full of incense. And it gives us the interpretation what it is. All this incense represents prayers of the saints. All these prayers of the saints were stored inside these golden balls. They were put on hold. Because there was no one there who was able to intercede, who was able to take away the sin from them. They were on hold. But, all these prayers are stored in a golden bowl, which means they're important. They're valuable. You know, many of us, when you know, when you when you connect to, you know, church services, you know, you might think like, oh, you know, these intercessory prayers, you know, take too long, and you know, just wasting so much time. Let me assure you. Prayers for the brothers and sisters are as a central role in front of Jesus Christ. Okay? He cares. He cares what you do, how you behave, and how you treat your brothers and sisters. He does care. And speaking about the incense, okay? Because that's right here in the, in the scriptures, right? So we don't have to interpret, we don't have to put our own interpretations. So incense in that time, it's still today, is a pleasing aroma. And this incense is very expensive. If you want to have a good one, it's very expensive. And incense, you know, when you go to the temple or tabernacle, you put it on the, over the hot coals as they burn, and the nice smelling aroma and the smoke will come up and go in front of the Father. But one thing we have to mind, and we have to be aware of it, for the nice, you know, nice uh, smelling aroma to ascend in front of God, you have to have a fire. What do I mean by that? For your prayers to be sweet, aroma to God. Sometimes your life must be put on fire. So you are proven worthy too. This is just on side. We read verse 9. Let's go to Revelation. Go back to Revelation. Are we in Revelation? Let's read one more time. Verse 9. And then we're going to read. Yeah, let's read it one, uh, verse 9 one more time. And they sing a new song. Not the old one. A brand new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seal. For you were slain and have redeemed us. To God by your blood and out of every tribe and tongue and people and nations. And have made us kings and priests to our God and you shall reign on earth. So this song was composed by the elders. 
not the angelic beings. The song was composed by the elders. And again, only the lamb is worthy to take and to open the scroll. And the 24 elders composed, and it's a brand new song. And the reason why it's a brand new song, because the old songs are not adequate enough, not adequate enough just to praise, to praise in worship Jesus Christ. There is a new revelation. We need to compose a new song, which is going to reflect, you know, what we worship, what it's all about, what we sing all about, and what this praise and worship means. That's why it says they sing a new song. The old song is not adequate enough to worship our Lord. And this beginning, like, you know, they did for God the Father when it says, you are worthy, and here, the same, the same words at the beginning, you are worthy to our Savior and Jesus Christ. And that was just a tradition in the, in the old, you know, like Roman Empire. Whenever Roman emperors were celebrated upon arrival to Rome, let's say there was a war somewhere over there, so they would go with the legions of the Roman army and fight the wars when they were coming back months later. So way, way even before the Romans, the people lined up, there was a great celebrations and, and, you know, decorations of the streets and everything. As he was coming towards that, he was driving on his chariots, you know, leading his army back home. They were screaming, you are worthy. You are worthy. And there is a special Latin phrase, and I want to break my tongue over it, but you can check it out. It's well, well recorded in history. So in this case, when all the elders proclaim, you are worthy, that's basically Christ is now celebrated. Christ is honored by their worship. It should be honored by our worship. And you can look at this word slain here too, but the slain words can mean so many different things, but specifically brutal things. He was butchered. He was broken down. He was butchered. And you know what? He didn't deserve it. But he did it anyway. To redeem his people. Song says, your innocent blood make provision for all of us to be redeemed. And I ask you a question. What do you think were the elders there? And when they come up with this song, they sing they sang the song that you said, you redeemed us. They're not angels. Christ redeemed them too. That's why they are there, praising and worshiping, okay? Salvation is not for angels. Salvation is for humankind. This is how important it is. Now we read in the last verse about the kings and priests. And let's say, we take it for granted. We just shouted many times, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you know, we will be or I will be, we'll be kings and priests, especially in the Feast of Tabernacle. We just think, it's just think, this thing just, you know, it's just so easy, so natural, you know, we're all gonna be, we're all gonna deserve to be like kings and priests. Just think about it. Let's say, let's say if you have a, let's say you have an English, English, uh, English citizenship. What are your chances to become a king of England? None. Even though, by birth, you might come, you might belong to the same nations. What are your chances to become a king in a lawful way? Can't. How can you become a king of England? 
only through the blood connection and only to a royal birth. That's how it's passed down. And John wants us to understand this thing. Okay, the same thing is in the Bible. God picked and chose the first king. And then, as we had the David through his line, all the kingdom was passed through his sons. No one else could have it. And the same here in our human existence. You can't just go, even though we are a citizen, and say, hey, you know what? I think from now on, I'll be the king of England. doesn't work like that. So, how are we going to become kings? We have to wait to be born from above. If we are the first fruits, if you are born from above, we show the same quality. What our Lord Jesus Christ shared will be worthy to be kings and priests. Not now. We have to be born again or we have to be born from above to have this title. Not before. Not now. But later. What about priests? Now people can choose and pick whom they want as a priest. But back then through the Bible, no. It was God. It was God who did the picking and choosing. Out of the entire nation of Israel, he, he picked one tribe. He picked one tribe. Only Levites could serve in front of him. And even the Levites, they were called Levites. All the male Levites could serve, but not the old Levites can be high priests. There's another distinction. Only few, only few could serve in a role as a priestly role. I know it might be confusing for a bit, but just think about it. All priests were Levites, but not all the Levites were priests. There was distinction there. There was a separation there. And the same is going to happen in the future. As we're going to be born into king's family. Uh, <clears throat> Let's move to verse 11 now. And here, verse 11, it says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands so basically I can't number them I have no idea how many millions of billions of trillions I have no clue but innumerable amount of angels and you name it everyone there innumerable you can't even count it and just read verse 12 and 13. Saying with a loud voice. Worthy is the Lamb. Who was slain. To receive power. And riches. And wisdom. And strength. And honor. And glory. And blessing. And every creature. Which is in heaven and on earth. And under the earth. And such as are in the sea. And all, and all that are in them. I heard saying. Blessing and honor. And glory and power. Be to him who sits on the throne. And to the Lamb. Forever. And never. Wow. And if you study it carefully, chapter 4 that we just read it, okay, the angels, the angel prompted the elders into worship, okay? The angels, the heavenly host, prompted the elders into the worship. And here, the elders prompted the angels to worship Christ. What a great cycle here. Unbelievable cycle. And 
whatever we get from this vision. John wants to make sure that whatever we get out from this vision here at the end, that we fully grasp that at the end of this thing, every creature, every single creature, no matter where it is, is in the process here of worshipping the Father and the Son at the same time. And today in this world, in our society, Jesus Christ's name is, I don't even know what the words to use, disrespect. So many horrible things are said about him. And many times we just don't care. Eh, you know, Christ will come. He will take care of it by himself. We don't defend his name at all. We just sit politely and hoping that, you know, miracles are going to happen and for some reason, someone else, maybe Muslims, the Christ than we Christians generally do. What a shame on us. What a shame on us. Let's read here the last verse here. Verse 14. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. What does it mean worship again? What do you mean? What, what do you mean? It's just, you know, we come, we come to the church and, you know, we just sing nice, you know, songs and like, may our spirit is uplifted and, you know, move my little body a little bit and just, it just feels so good, right? That's what we think of music today. That's what it does. Worship means to prostrate. To lay before another in complete submission. The 24 elders fell down to their knees. They lay themselves before Christ, who is forever. As the expression says, Lord, you're worthy. You have our full submission of worship. That's what it means. Are we ready to do this thing? Especially now before Passover? Just being weeks away? Let me conclude here. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. The scripture that was read today. To us by Brother Garrick. What a powerful scripture. And Christ said it. Christ said these words. Actually. Before. He died. He already knew it. What is awaiting for him. Okay. Before the book of Revelation was even written. He said it to us here. John chapter. John chapter 5. Verse 19. And now whatever we know. Whatever you got from this vision, whatever you got from the book of Revelation, just pay attention to the words that John is talking to his disciples. Look how powerful they are. Verse 19. Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Verse 20. For the Father loves the Son, and shows him all things that he himself does. And he, the Father, will show him, Christ, greater works than this that you may marvel. I already marvel. 
this vision that, you know, the pastor vision Pastor Murray was talking about two weeks ago. It's a marvelous vision. It is still spinning in my head. It's just making such a big impact down there that I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know what kind of words I am supposed to use it. Verse 21. For as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son, that all shall honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son, he who does not honor the son, does not honor the father who sent him. I want to leave you with this last verse here, and especially the last sentence. He who does not honor the Father does not honor the Christ. Brethren, my image this year before the Passover, it said, I dwell on the image that I saw in Revelation. It's a powerful image. The centrality of Christ, it is redemption plan, it's, it's huge. We all know that. But the centrality of Christ in the presence of God the Father is amazing and is speechless. May God bless you all. Dwell on this vision. Thank you, Deacon Jan. Uh, this time we'll have uh, just a closing prayer and then we'll have a closing hymn on page 252 titled Redeemed, 252, the words will be on your screen. Dear God, thank you for allowing us to gather together today on your Sabbath day and bringing us into your presence and giving us that honor to be in your presence. We thank you for uh, the freedom that we are given to be able to have services and to be able to hear from one of your servants we pray that the words you've given him will continue to uh, be processed in our minds and allow us to fully grasp what you are trying to tell us. We pray that uh, everyone is safe on this Sabbath day. We pray that everyone continues to have good fellowship. We pray that we be able to have a good and fulfilling week and come back next week on your Sabbath day. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name.